to the inaugural edition of the North Carolina Music Educators Association's podcast. My name is Howie Ledford, and I'm the Music Technology Chair for the NCMEA. I could not think of a better way to start this podcast than to introduce our new president, Mr. Jonathan Hamill. Thank you for having me, Howie. I really appreciate it. So, tell me a little bit about yourself. My name is Jonathan Hamill, and I'm the Director of Bands at Eastern Guilford High School. I am the president of NCMEA, which is the North Carolina Music Educators Association. And before I go any further, I would like to thank Dr. Carol Earnhardt, Pat Hall, our executive director who was retired, Susan Heiserman, our current executive director, and the NCMEA board of directors for their unswerving commitment to successfully lead our organization through the COVID-19 pandemic, assuring students have the opportunity to safely create and participate in music education. We are forever in your debt. I would also like to welcome our new president-elect, Catherine Butler. I am eager to see the new and exciting ideas she will bring to our leadership team. So where are you from? I am from Rutherford County. It's a small, well, it's actually called Ellingboro, Ellingboro, and it's a small town in Western North Carolina. If you are familiar with Chimney Rock and Lake Lure, it's in the same county. Uh, I play the saxophone. I'm a band guy. I went to East Rutherford High School under the direction of Mark Roddy, Paul Talent, Kathy Weir. And we were a very small program. We had uh, very little resources. But one thing that our directors always instilled in us was musicianship, teamwork, responsibility, pride, and discipline. Values that every music program instills in their students. And we know that as music educators. The music education classroom was my second home. As a product of a single home or a single parent home in rural Western North Carolina, had limited resources. I couldn't afford the instruments that a lot of my cohorts had, or I couldn't afford the private lessons. What I did have, Howie, was an extremely high work ethic. Uh, this work ethic later got me accepted into a four-year college and grad school, and now as the North Carolina Music Educators Association president. Where did you go to college? I went to Winston-Salem State University, which is in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, majored in music business management and merchandising, as well as music education. I actually, before I became a music ed major, I was really into uh, recording and studio techniques and, you know, finished that program and went back and got my music education degree. And it was, it was great, as well as the certification and the lateral entry thing, which was it was amazing. I just had some really good professors. I got my my grad school at UNCG, UNC Greensboro. I think you went there as well, right? Woo-hoo. Go Spartans. Go Spartans. So where have you taught? Well, I'm glad that you asked that because where I taught really shaped who I became as a music educator. I started at a small charter school in Winston called Downtown Middle School. It was a great school. We had a lot of kids in, at downtown middle school where we, it was a charter school where everyone had to take band. That's everyone. Awesome. Had, it was, it was really cool. Now everyone didn't want to take band, <laughs> sure. but they had to take band. So it was, it was nice. It was in the inner city of Winston-Salem, right off of 40. I also taught at Parkland high school, which is a, very, very urban school in Winston-Salem off of Peters Creek Parkway, where Howie and I met was at Parkland High School. Yep. 
the demographics, it's a Title I school, and it was majority-minority, you know? Let me explain it this way. Yeah. In my 14-person orchestra, when I first walked in, Mm -hmm. I was one of two white people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which was awesome. I enjoyed my time at Parkland. It was great. Oh, it was – I hated to leave that place. It was a great school, Howie. And, 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 you know, between you and I and our our choral teacher who was there at the time, Mr. Jonathan Sitton, he's an administrator now, but we had some amazing times at Parkland. Mm -hmm. And the musicianship between those three programs were unmatched. I'll tell you the beautiful thing about Parkland is those kids came with a chip on their shoulder and they they didn't want any (laughs) handouts. Uh, they, there was no handouts. It was no. We are going. To, we are going to be just as good as everybody else. Don't feel sorry for us, or don't try to 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 give us this or give us that because we're Parkland. We're gonna take it. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. <laughs> you oh, know. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and I love that. And, and it was a regular school. We we had our same issues, but you know finances. It was an issue. We didn't have a lot of money. We had little to no money, little to no instruments. It was a great school, but we were able to do some things at that school between you, myself, and John Sid that we were not supposed to be able to do. And and that's what opened my eyes up to to schools like Parkland. Because you know, when you're going to school, when you're when you're graduating, and you're thinking, well, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get this school that's gonna. I have 200 kids in it, and every kid is going to be a part of all county, and every kid is going to be a part of all district and all state, and we're going to go to MPA, and we're going to do all these wonderful things. That's nice, and that's great to feel that way, but that's kind of thinking in a vacuum. In all honesty, most of, most of our programs here in North Carolina are very similar to Parkland, you know? Or, you know, or Parkland or Reynolds, they're just in the middle of the road. And uh, I also taught at Reynolds High School. Reynolds High School was across the bridge. It's about 10 minutes from Parkland. That experience was a little different. It was a little different. We had a little more resources at Reynolds, but it was still a very high. We were a kid being sick away from Title I depending on who came to school today was whether or not we were a Title I school. You know, it was very close to being the Title I school, but we also had a, a very tradition of having a, a lot of high resources at Reynolds. And of course, now I'm at Eastern Guilford, which is very similar to Parkland. Awesome. All right. So you were at downtown middle school as your first mm-hmm. gig. Yep. That was probably not the gig you were expecting, was it? No, it wasn't. So I'll tell you this. During my beginning years teaching, I constantly felt that membership at NCMEA was a waste of time and a waste of money. And I'll tell you, I'm a normal guy. I am, And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with those programs that we're talking about. I am very proud of them. And I'm proud of the work that they are doing. But a lot of our music educators, once they graduate from college, are not going to have a 200-piece, 300-piece band, chorus, or orchestra. Uh, They're going to have something that they're going to either have to rebuild, build, rebuild back up, or something that's in the middle of the road. And that's where I live. That's all I've had 
I've never had a huge program. And I'll explain this to you. During my beginning years of teaching, I always felt that membership of for NCMEA was a waste of time and money. You know, all professional organizations are dealing with membership matters and 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 just bringing members in. And because a lot of the times, the membership feels that the people who are running the organization cannot relate to them. And at one point in time, I can tell you, I felt the same way, Howie. Uh, I didn't have students in all district. Uh, I didn't have students in all state bands. My bands were not performing grade six literature. And at the time, our state conference didn't apply to me. You know, they didn't apply to me and it didn't apply to the community that I served, which was, like I said, at Parkland and at Reynolds and at downtown middle school. I had to ask myself this question. What can NCMEA do for me? I wanted to do something, but I didn't know what. You know, it was at this time that I had to change my thinking of what NCMEA can do for me and instead start to think, what can I do for music education? And what I mean by that, from that point, I began to present and create sessions at our state conference that would be beneficial to teachers that taught in challenging environments like myself. And uh, from there, I began to do research and develop ways to bring all music educators into the same room to discuss the problems that we all face. And through this process, discovered that we are more alike than we are different. And although we may come from different socioeconomic backgrounds, we all face the same challenges. What goals do you have for your presidency? Well, I'm glad that you asked me that, Howie. Our goals are very clear and very simple. For the most part, we plan on full steam ahead like we normally did. Our Some of our bigger sections are, they basically run themselves. They're amazing sections, and I'm really proud of the work that they've been doing. My goal is definitely to create a piano and guitar section, and we have already started that with piano and guitar committee, which will hopefully later become a section. Because as a music educator, we all know that most of us have, you might teach band, or you might teach orchestra, or you might teach chorus, or you might teach general music, but there are so many music educators who teach a piano class, or there are so many music educators who teach a guitar class. And administrators use that as a form to to fill out people's schedule, but it's still music and it still has a voice. And basically bringing every single voice to the table in music education is what we are striving to do. Um, also, we are redefining success by adding more scholarship. We have three scholarships that we offer every year. We are in the process of working on a fourth scholarship, which is uh, the Hortense Reed Scholarship, which we've been working on here in, in the past month or so. And Hortense Reed, if you don't know about NCMEA, there's a merger story. And I cannot do the merger story justice like Dr. Connie McCoy, so I won't even try. It was the Black Music Educators Association and the White Music Educators Association, and they basically came together, and Hortense Reed was the first minority president and the first full-term president for NCMEA. And so this scholarship is for non-majority minorities, college students. So I, I'm really excited about that. Also, uh, 
We've been working on our safety and health forms and our requirements and recommendations. I shouldn't say requirements, but recommendations to get our student activities back up and going, i.e. MPA, solo and ensemble, all districts, all state, Western region, all of those things, honors course, so that we can have our student activities. And, you know, we've had a, a number of revisions, but now I think we have the revisions that everybody is comfortable with, that everyone can feel safe and secure with having their student activities. Redefining success, we just had our first face-to-face conference in November, which was pretty awesome. And we are working on a collaboration with our local ACDA chapter uh, in redefining success and just basically doing professional development for our executive committees so that it can trickle down to our whole boards, which will trickle down to our whole membership and constituency just a little bit not much (laughs) not too much no no (laughs) let's talk about redefining success what do you think some of those things look like well you know howie i'll tell you in music world and i did this at our meeting the first meeting that we had was i asked everyone hey can you tell me what does success look like what is a non-traditional way of success? And normally what we deem successful is, you know, you, you get a lot of kids in all, and I'm a band guy, so I'm saying you get a lot of kids in all county and all districts and all state. You do really well at uh, MPA. You do really well at solo and ensemble. You do really well at competitions and stuff like that, which is fine. That's not a problem. And that is successful. But there are a lot of programs in our state that don't have the resources to get there. You know, they don't have the resources to be successful in MPA yet. They don't have the resources to get a whole lot of kids in all districts. So what does success look like for them? And and the reason why this is really important to me is because I used to work at a school with with you, actually, at uh, Parkland High School. And, you know, we weren't quite there yet. But success looked different for us than it would our counterparts. And, you know, success for us was the big football game. You remember the big Carver versus Parkland football game? That was the game. Whatever we did, we had to have a great showing and we had to look good. Also, when I was at another school, which was uh, Reynolds High School, which is right across the, the county, what looked good for us was having our first African-American composers concert, because when I came to Reynolds, Reynolds was a non-competitive program, which was fine. And that's not, you know, they didn't really believe in the, in, into going into the, uh, you know, the marching band competitions, the band competitions, stuff like that. And that's fine. That's no problem because, you know, a lot of our kids, they did so many other things that they needed their weekends and they need, they wanted their weekends. They wanted their, their after school time. I get that. You know what I mean? That's no problem. What we were able to do was we were able to have a uh, their first African-American composers concert, and we played the music of William Owens and Ayeti Shabazz, and we got William Owens to send us a virtual video congratulating us and, and wishing us luck as we performed his pieces. That was one of the most... I think it, it was great. It was. I think that was one of the best concerts that we've had and that I've had in my career as a music educator because it reached a different part of our community and it reached a different part of our school. I always say that at Parkland, we had a annual car wash that we would raise money and we would raise thousands and thousands of dollars and we'd bring the band out there and they would perform. And like the community, which they were just so happy to see 
that Parkland Mustang band out there performing and working for what they wanted to get. And, you know, eventually we got a trailer and we got an enclosed trailer with our name on the back. And that's something that we had never done. So I said that to say success can look different in different ways and different programs. And it's not just necessarily a score, an MPA score, or how many kids that we got in all districts, you know? So that's where I'm going with that. Just thinking back when you and I were at Parkland, the orchestra program, I was doing the orchestra at that point. And success for us was just going somewhere, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And it was a fine orchestra. I remember that. It was a fine orchestra. And you know what? Success, it was good. Y'all had, y'all had, some really good runnings over there you know what i mean y'all had we, a really good run and we did measure we did have a measure of success in, mm-hmm. in regards of your mpa which you were talking about which absolutely we had the first superior in 21 years absolutely you're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. it's good to look at success and see all the ways you can have it absolutely and like i said before it's just there are so many schools that have to find other ways to be successful and are finding other ways to be successful, even if that's a, you know, a homecoming parade, whatever the case. So, and just like what you did, like just going somewhere, getting that group together and going somewhere and performing that's success. Absolutely. And like I said, I remember those ensembles and they were great. Howie. I appreciate it. And thank you very much. So you'd mentioned Hortense Reed and other places and talking about diversity, quality, mm-hmm. those type of things. What does that mean? And how is that going to affect your presidency? Well, DEIA, that's uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and access. And I'll tell you, our board, and, and this is not me, I'm a product of DEIA. You know, my presidency is a product of DEIA. Normally, what happens is to become the president of NCMEA, you have to be, uh, you have to have a lot of board work. Most people will get on the board by being the band president, the orchestra president, the choral president, high school, middle school choral president, whatever your, your section is, you know, that, or the elementary general music president. And the way that you get to be on on the board, like I said, is through the presidency. And the way that you get to be a president from those sections is by having the top bands, by you know, or the top ensembles, or the you know what I mean. And that's not the way I became president. <laughs> I got here from a different way, and um, I got here through actually the DEIA committee, what we used to call the Multicultural Awareness Committee. Um, and I always I always uh, pay homage to James Doherty and Jasmine A. Sutton, our past presidents. And uh, they, they reached out to me and they was like, hey, we want you to be on the Multicultural Awareness Board, you know? Well, at, at first it wasn't even the board, it was just one person, it was me, you know? And so, you know, we had to create a, a board and we had to create a, a number of people. And then we started having different uh, sessions at our at our conference. And when we had sessions at our conference that was related to DEIA, it, it started to open up a lot of different things. Because I noticed in our conference, and this is funny because I was telling somebody else that, um, you know, with all professional organizations, we have issues with membership, you know, and... Mm-hmm. 
and we have issues with membership. And, you know, people are wondering, well, why should I pay this money to do this? And why should I pay this money to do that? I mean, if I'm just going to get a conference out of it. And, you know, I thought the same thing, Howie. I was like, man, you know, why would I pay money to be a part of NCMEA? You know, when you go to a conference, at one point in time, when we would go to a conference, it was like how to make your grade six band a masterworks band, how to get your all-state kids to do this, you know? Well, that didn't really apply to me, you know what I mean? Because I didn't have that. And so instead of me thinking about what can NCMEA do for me, I started to think about, I had to change my mindset, Howie, and started to think about what I can do for music education. Now, notice what I said, not NCMEA. I, I stopped thinking of what NCMEA can do for me and started to think about what I can do for music education. Because NCMEA is just a tool or a vehicle to get us to connect. You know what I mean? Whether NCMEA is here or not, music education will still be here and it'll still be strong. So what we use, what NCMEA is, we use it as a vehicle and a tool to connect educators, to get resources and for professional development. And when I started to change my mindset, that's when things started opening up, i.e. the multicultural awareness chair. And then we started looking, I started looking at conference and I was like, well, wait a minute. You know, I saw all these wonderful bands, but I noticed I didn't see people that looked like me and I didn't see colleges that I came from. You know, I would see the 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 normal colleges that would perform at NCMEA conference and they were magnificent. They were amazing. But also when we're talking about inclusion, I would see things that that didn't look like me. That does that that ensemble didn't look like an ensemble that I performed in. Or when I'm looking at the NCMEA board, this board doesn't look like a board that I would participate in because it it didn't have a lot of people that look like me. I hate to say it. That's where we talk about inclusion. You know, when we start seeing things and when, when we start looking at pl like planning our goals and looking at the things that we would like to be and strive to be, what we do is we see was already there. And when I saw what was already there, I was like, well, it doesn't really look like me, so why would I be a part? But I had to change my mindset. And uh, so when I became the Multicultural Awareness Chair, I started bringing in more HBCU ensembles. Uh, his HB for HBCUs, for those who don't know, that's historically black colleges and universities. And I start bringing, and which is what Winston-Salem State is, that's where I graduated from, because I've heard HBCUs sound magnificent. I've heard they had amazing wind ensembles and string ensembles and choral ensembles and jazz ensembles. So we started to bring that into our conference. And what happened was we noticed that our membership was like, wow, so HBCUs are an option and there's high quality musicianship there. I mean, and I don't think that they didn't think that. It's just that they didn't know. You know, you don't know what you don't know. You know what I mean? That's how I came. So I started as a the, the multicultural awareness president and then I moved up and became a member at large. And then from member at large, I became president. And that's how that works. So, and I said that to say, when you're talking about DEIA, if somebody didn't come and get me, you know, or if somebody, I was fine being the band director at Parkland and we had success. It took the invitation, you know what I mean? Because at one point in time, 
I didn't feel as if I didn't feel as if I was invited to that party, but I was still doing successful things. We were doing really great successful things at Parkland and at Reynolds, but it took somebody and i.e. James Doherty and Jasmine Nader said, hey, this guy's doing some really cool things at Parkland. Let's bring him on the board. Let's hear his voice. Let's hear his ideas. And from there, it's just history. So DEI is very important. I mean, and that was just my story. But from my story, there are 10 million other stories of why DEIA is important because you just never know what you're going to miss. You got to look under every rock. There should be no stone unturned. You have to look everywhere for your next leaders, for your next, you know, just to give people the access and the opportunity to show you who they are and what they are and to bring that voice to the table. As you were talking, I was thinking there was a concert, one of the best concerts I've ever seen at conference, to be honest. And it was Winston-Salem State. Mm-hmm. And Dwell Burke yeah. and her choirs. Yes. She's they were amazing. amazing. Yes. Amazing. Yes. And Howie, can I tell you this? I went to Winston Salem State 1998, 2003. I was there since 1998, since I think she's been there like the late 90s. Howie, they've been doing that for years. It was nothing new to see how spectacular they were. The tradition of excellence. It's just through that program, that choral program. It's just, it was there. It was there as when I was a student. It was there when I first graduated. It's always been there. But, you know, a lot of our educators or music educators would never see that because they wouldn't have a reason to go there. So we, as NCMEA, had to bring that to them. I think DEIA is incredibly important, just as a personal note, because you and I taught at Parkland together. I've seen the other side of the coin. And so it's important that all voices are heard. I'll tell you this, too, uh, while I'm speaking a little bit more to DEIA. We have a DEIA committee, and now we call it IVFME. It was the Multicultural Awareness Committee, but multicultural awareness is kind of dated. About two years ago, during our leadership retreat, we decided to change the name from Multicultural Awareness to IVFME, and IVFME stands for Inclusive Vision for Music Education. Our chairperson now is uh, Lily Almond-Harris, and she's amazing. Uh, She's going to do some great things, and she's already getting to work. And one thing that we're trying to implement, and we're almost there, we're about 90% there, is all of our section chairs, we are requiring them to have an IVFME member on their board. And I shouldn't say require because I don't want to, we don't want to push anything on anybody, but we do feel that it would be in the best interest of the organization for everybody. It's more of a recommendation and we do feel that it would be in the best interest of the organization to have an IVFME committee on each board. So what that means is, you know, if you're on the orchestra board, we ask that you appoint an IVFME person or a person that will look through every situation and every discussion, all the types of business that's handled in that organization through an equity lens. And the cool thing now that we didn't have five years ago, if they do not have someone that feels comfortable with equity and inclusion, IVFME, now we have an IVFME committee and a person will be appointed to that board. 
March 1st, we should have everybody. I think we have almost everybody's. I think that's cool. I think that's really cool. And what a lot of the sections are doing is they're just appointing a person. They're appointing a person to say, hey, all right, you're on our board. You're going to also be our equity person to make sure that we're equitable in all of our practices, to make sure when we start talking about leadership and when we start talking about selection of new leadership, that that person will be looking through the equity lens to say, hey, are we getting the right people? Is this a club that that's inclusive? So I think that's really cool. I'm really excited about that. And that's something that we didn't have a few years ago that we're actually implementing now. And we're also implementing, we're in the process with all of those boards, we're going to have equity training, but that's coming down in the future. So I think that'd be really cool as well. This is the part I hope to implement in most podcasts. How do you do this? You're really good at social media. What do you do and how does that help your program? Oh, well, I'll tell you one thing. I I wrote an article about this. It was my first article, actually. And the article, uh, in the article, it says, how can a student, and most students, how can a student love music but hate music class? And, you know, like I told you before, I'm a high school band director at Eastern Guilford High School, and I've been a high school band director for years. And one thing in high school band director world that I see is, Kids are walking around with their earbuds constantly, you know? They're always listening to music, and I think that's great. But then when we start talking about music appreciation or the different types of music, they hate it, you know? And what I think we have to do is we have to find a way to, um, we have to find a way to reach those students. And let me explain what I'm talking about. With every organization that I've been a part of, with every organization or school that I've taught at, most of these kids have social media, all right? Mm -hmm. So I use Facebook and Instagram, all right? So I want to start start with Facebook. Facebook, and there's a reason, you got to dig a little bit deeper because Facebook is for the parents because the majority of their parents, (laughs) I'm serious, man. The majority of their parents are on Facebook. I can promise you that you will not catch any of your students on Facebook anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. they might be on Facebook, but for the most part, so you got to have, you got to have two. Actually, maybe even three, and I'll get to that third one in a minute. So you got to have a Facebook for the parents. I have a Eastern Guilford High School band Facebook page. So I know that those parents are going to read what's on that Facebook page, even if it comes down as their story. But the kids are in the Instagram, all right? So what I use Instagram for is basically like bulletins, announcements. And for instance, I run it, or there's two ways you can do this. I'm not trying to give directors another thing to do because you have so much to do as a music educator anyway. But what you can do is you can get a very trustworthy parent or you can get a very trustworthy student. Be very careful with that, you know? And I mean an extremely trustworthy student, drum major-ish type, first violin, concert master trust. You know what I mean? Right. So parent runs mine. Yeah. So, or a parent, absolutely. It's, it's worked well for us because especially with our up-and-coming ninth graders or with our rookies to the band, you know, we'll have a rookie spotlight where it was like, hey, 
this is the rookie spotlight is this person and this person plays this instrument and that instrument her her interests are this her interests are that blah 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 and what it's doing is it's building that student up it's giving that student that confidence it's giving that student the um it's, it's empowering that student. Oh, I was the student of the week. I was the student of the week, guys. Come and check me out. I'll, I'll, I also use it for a lot of announcements. I'll post or my parent will post, hey, you know, marching band has been canceled. So-and-so has been canceled due to the snow. Like last Friday, we had a, a basketball game and it had to be canceled because of, you know, the COVID protocols. You know, it happens, especially now. We had to cancel the game, and I also use Remind. I was able to put that out on Instagram and Facebook as well. The new one is TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) TikTok. Now, that's a little bit different. That's a different animal altogether. And what I've done with that is I'll say this, and I'm only speaking in the band world. There's a characteristic sound. And there's a, there are characteristics of band that are just the unnegotiables, you know, the non-negotiables, I'm sorry. There are just certain things that you have to do as, as band. There are certain things that we see as band. And what I get the students to do is to make a TikTok about band. And it has to be clean. Definitely it has to be clean. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sure. And the way the reels go, you can actually, you know, share the reels, the TikTok reels on Instagram as well. And so what I love, like with some of my really talented players, I have a kid and they do like the mashups. And what I mean by that is there's a a group, there's like a, a song play. I got a snare drummer and he's really good. There's like a song playing and he's playing snare drum over the song. And it's sure. not long. It's about 30 seconds to a minute and he's chopping and he's doing sticking and he's making, you know, and it's a clean song, of course, and he edits it and, you know, he'll send it out and it's really cool. He'll send it out and we'll share it on Instagram, but I know that they like TikTok. So that's, you know, we use that, but, and, and you know, I have different instrumentalists. They, they do the same thing. They'll play a little bit or they'll say, you know what, tell me you're in band without telling me you're in band. And, yeah. but what that's doing they, they're looking at it as fun and entertainment, but what they're doing is they know what not to do. Like, for instance, mm-hmm. that's driving home some of the things that we're talking about in class or that we're talking about on the field. Tell me you're in band without telling me you're in band. And, they, and then you see a group of kids walking and step down the hall together, right. going to class, things like that, which is basically reiterating what I'm trying to teach them anyway, but they're making the TikTok out of it. Tell me you're in band without telling me you're in band. And you see a whole bunch of kids straightening up a band room or whatever the case may be. And that's and that's one of the that's one of the TikTok things that everybody is talking about. You know, tell me that you're this without telling me you're that. And it's it's been working well for us and the kids love it. And you know, say, hey, Mr. Hamill, can we do that? Can we do a can we do one of our TikToks? And you know, I have to see it first and make sure it's clean and make sure that it's everything, <laughs> make sure everything is on the up and up. And one thing that I love to do is I want to say, okay, everything is great, but guess what? You need to wear your Eastern Guilford stuff or you need to wear your your school stuff so people can see that this is a brand, this is a merchandise, you know, that make sure that they're wearing their merch so they can say, hey, this is the band. Not only is it the band, it's this band. So, and and I really think that educators could use social media as a form of technology and as a form of basically marketing. Right, because that's something I don't think we as 
music teachers are very good at some of us at least yeah i don't know about you but uh, i didn't get a marketing class in college well can i say this howie i did but remember i told you at the beginning of the podcast I also have a degree in music business management and merchandising, which included marketing, management, principle of microeconomics, accounting, all of that. The, the The main thing about marketing is finding your audience and appealing to it. All right. That's awesome. That should be a trick everybody should take along with them somewhere. TikTok, how do you get comfortable with it? I'm still not comfortable with TikTok, Howie, I tell you. <laughs> like I said, me, myself, I don't make them. I allow the students to make them because they are more comfortable with it than I am. What I am comfortable with is content. You know what I mean? Sure. I am comfortable with content. And once they make it, I can look at the video and say, hey, this is appropriate. This is educational. We can share this. Or no, this is not appropriate. No, this needs to change. No, you need to do this, this, or that. And then from there, the TikTok, once they share it, I can share it on the Instagram. So I'm not as comfortable with TikTok as the kids are, sure. but I do have access to control what I share, if that makes sense, on Instagram through their TikTok. Does that make sense? That if makes you're perfect familiar. sense. Now, as far as a... a like a band TikTok for my school? No, but I am able to use it as a resource because the kids are using it. All my kids are doing the the little dances that happen on TikTok. I'm going. Yes, yes, yeah, uh, okay. Um, but Howie, but get but get this. Why couldn't you do one of those little? You know, with the, like you said, the head thing. Mm -hmm. Why couldn't you do that one morning? in your orchestra or chorus class or, and, and I've seen a chorus, I've seen a chorus class do that, you know, uh, down in North Davidson, I've seen her do that. Like, why can't you make that? And instead of having a team building activity where, you know, you can't do a whole lot of stuff, you can do that. And that can work as your team building activity to build camaraderie amongst the ensembles. Hmm. Let's okay. make a TikTok together, you know? Sure. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, that, that's a great little idea to pass on to people. So thank you for that. And I appreciate it. Um, Absolutely. And let me thank you for your time. I appreciate you being here. And I look forward to the next two years of your presidency. Thank you, Howie. I really appreciate you. And I appreciate what you've been doing for the past, I think it's been, what, five or six years as the technology chair. I mean, every year this this committee gets better and better. And I'm excited to see what this podcast is going to be. And I think it's going to be great. I want to let you know that you have my full support whatever you need. And you and I have talked about some other things, just, I'm just a phone call away or a zoom call away, but I think I'm, I'm really excited about the direction of the, the technology committee at NCMEA, especially now because we need you now more than ever. Well, I thank you for your kind words. I would like to say that my committee are the people who actually make all of that happen. They are the geniuses. I occasionally steer the boat. And on that note, I look forward to seeing everyone next time. This is Howie Ledford signing off. Goodbye.